Messi. Advantage play. Messi driving forward. Messi from distance! What can he not do? We are watching greatness! Football! Should I said Messi Americas? What's going on? He's taking over. You know who's going to take over today? You are my man. Because Sevi Salazar could not bring himself to face me yeah. and get dunked on again. So I brought you. I got to give Sevi a lot of credit, and I will. But first, how you doing, my man? I'm doing okay. Just like Messi joined Inter Miami in the middle of the season, I am joining Football Americas in the middle of a what's been exciting, exciting League's Cup. We're going to have... Way too much to talk, not too much time. We will have a conversation with the Watts and their new role as part owners of Premier League Club Burnley. That's coming up on this edition of Football Americas. But let's get things started with League's Cup semifinals. And yes, it is Lionel Messi involved. Inter Miami away at Philadelphia Union, one of the toughest most difficult grounds in all of Major League Soccer. And Herc, just after three minutes, it happened again. Inter Miami taking the lead. Joseph Martinez scores and it's 1-0 for Inter Miami. This team always scores like in the first 15 minutes of the game. Uh, somebody might want to drag Joseph Martinez. I know he's coming off an injury. I know he's not looked that sharp, but wow, he made it look easy. Jack Elliott couldn't get to him on time. And then Andre Blake here. Oh, he's going to want that one back. Reacts too late. It's a good shot by Joseph. 1-0 Inter-Miami. Five goals in the opening 15 minutes of League's Cup for Inter-Miami. 20th minute. Joseph Martinez gets tackled, but Lionel Messi gets a ton of space. Muchas gracias. And scores from long distance. And Inter before the 20th minute, leading 2-0. All right, Christoph, another good ball. Joseph Martinez take that. Damian Lowe comes right through him and then... Come on, Brujo! Jack Elliott, glad that somebody step up! And then, oh, Andre Blake, three-time goalkeeper of the year. You cannot get beat from that distance. No! He's backpedaling, doesn't have time to get his feet set, reacts a little late, and it's again Messi scoring every single game. Now, take a look at this. Look at Robert Taylor getting the ball. Directs traffic. Misses the first defender, and then what a pass for Jordi Alba facing Andrew Blake and Herc before the half. It's 3 0. Yeah, baby. Finish uh, Di Maria right here. Nobody can get the ball off of him. Just standing, watching, giving him all kinds of space. No, I'm going to go this way. I see an open lane. Let me just give it there. The center back is at midfield. I don't know what he's doing. And then Jordi Alba. Cool as you like with the finish. Tata Martino, he enjoys that. Tata Martino is finally a happy man. 72nd minute, corner kick. The ball bounces off Sergio Busquets, and it's the veteran, Alejandro Bedoya. And we thought we had a game. 3-1 with 20 minutes to go. It was a game. Lots of chances for Philly. Alejandro Bedoya comes on the field shortly after, minutes after. It's uh, Some would say a fortunate goal. No, I think he looked for that one. It's a yeah, good goal. Well it's a good taken. finish. Good, good finish by Bedoya. But eight minutes before the end, Messi finds the end of Yedlin. And Yedlin, that is a good pass for David Ruiz, a product of the Academy of Inter Miami. Game, set, match. 
It's going to be a win for Messi and friends. 4-1 at Philadelphia. Watch this ball by DeAndre Yedlin. That's a good little through ball. And then, well, Ruiz does the rest. It's an intelligent run. A fabulous finish. Andre Blake ah, came out a little too, too eager on that one. And with this result, Inter Miami not only reaching League's Cup final, but qualifying now for the next edition of CONCACAF Champions Cup. Now it's the official name. Take a look at the stats here, specifically the third line. Expected goals, 2.30. I love expected goals. <laughs> 2.36 for Philadelphia Union. Only 0.73 for Inter Miami. Now we saw Messi scoring from long distance, right? Well, that is that is the second longest goal he has scored in his career. Let's go back all the way to March 24. Yes, Pep Guardiola was still in charge of Barcelona, but this is a set piece. Nobody touches it. And it is Messi scoring for 35 yards out. Now today's goal is actually the longest one he scored from open play. So you see this goal right here, I actually understand this goal. It's circumstantial. There's a lot of bodies in front of the goalkeeper. It's a good ball whipped in. Uh, I can see this going in. That happens quite often. It's a good ball in. What I don't understand is the goal against Andre Blake. Nobody presses Messi of all players. Like, get to him. Get in front of him. Put a body there. It's the greatest of all time. And not only that, it's a well-taken shot, but I think Messi's so surprised by the time he has at hand that he doesn't strike it as cleanly as he'd like. And the ball trickles in. And Andre Blake, three-time goalkeeper of the year, Andre Blake, you would have bet the house that he would have saved that. They didn't shower themselves in glory. Glory, excuse me. Andre Blake didn't shower himself in glory tonight, and especially on this shot. I'm going to say this about that goal. Uh, if you're a defender and you're facing Lionel Messi, you have a decision to make, right? And if, if he's 35 yards out, are you expecting him actually to take a shot? Or are you thinking he's going to try to dribble? He's going to try to dribble past me, so I got to wait. I got to give him some space. And I know you were not a defender, you were a professional player. How, how fast can you think in a situation Mau, like that? Mao, it's automatic, but the fact is you're not saying, I'm caught one-on-one -on -one with Messi, let me give him some space. You're one of four players that's leaving him alone, that's backing up into your own 18. You can't give a player of that IQ, of that intelligence on the field, that much time on the ball with that left foot. Andre Blake had a part to take in this. I, I thoroughly believe Andre Blake is better than what he showed tonight, better than this shot that he tried saving. And Messi is Messi. What can you say about Messi? His ninth goal in six games? Yeah. I mean, listen, there are players that come in and they change a season, right? We've had those players in this league. There are players that come in and change a franchise, a club. We've had those players in this league. But when you're talking about Messi, special just unique players, once-in-a-lifetime generational talents that come in and change the game. He's going to change not only Inter-Miami, but he's going to change Major League Soccer going forward. And it was on display tonight. I mean, the brief moments he was on the ball, because let's not act for a second that it was Messi that beat this Philly Union team. This Philly Union team that hadn't lost at home going back for a couple years. The last time I remember this team uh, losing at home, half its team had COVID and New York City FC advanced on penalty kicks. That's the last time I can recall this team being beaten at home. Leo Messi is a great player, a once-in-a-lifetime player. But he's not the reason you lost, Philly. 
These mistakes are the reason you lost. Too much respect for this Inter-Miami team is the reason you lost. It was the Joseph Martinez's of the world. It was the Robert Taylor's of the world. It was the Jordi Alba's of the world that beat you. And then it was you that beat yourself. It was the defensive unit in Philly that I've been raving about. It was the offensive unit that was inoperative. And it was Andre Blake that decided the worst possible time to have a stinker. And on the other hand is Drake Callender, right? You saw this stat. Expected goals for Philadelphia Union. When we speak about Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Lionel Messi, even Joseph Martinez, a proven successful player at Major League Soccer level, it is now Drake Callender who can go and grab men of the match. Because Philadelphia, you know, they had their chances. They created over 15 chances in this game. Yeah. And when you're not able to be clinical in front of goal and you make out of Drake Callender a superstar, then there's no way you're going to beat a team like that. But let's go back for a moment to Lionel Messi's performance. Because, yes, he didn't have his, his greatest game. He had less than 50 touches. He had 44 touches in total. What does it say about Inter Miami? That Messi taking... I'm not going to say taking a night off because he scored. But this is the heat map. He didn't really impact the game like he had done in the previous five games. What does that say about Inter Miami? Listen, we can sit here and try to pretend um, that he's not changed into Miami. I mean, I could sit here and tell you the opposite, just or the, the, the very simplest thing that he's making his players around him better. Uh, it would be too cliche, but it would be a disservice to everybody if I didn't say that. He's making everybody else better. He's making um, Joseph Martinez. Uh, the other day I tweeted out sarcastically like, what are you doing taking a penalty kick? Nobody wants to see you score a goal. They want to see Lionel Messi score the goal. That's why the good people paid the money to see Messi score the goal. You know what he did when he gave Joseph Martinez that ball? He gave him confidence. Yeah, he made him better. He made him better. A guy who was struggling for confidence, who physically hasn't been at his best since his knee injury in Major League Soccer. And now we see a different Joseph Martinez. Today, we saw a different Joseph Martinez. Robert Taylor. Nobody knew who Robert Taylor was before Messi got onto the team. Now we're saying he's the Finnish Angel Di Maria. You know, he's been that good. Uh, Kramansky. Little type of players like that. We already knew about Busquets. We knew about Jordi Alba. Now we're saying, look at the way that DeAndre Yedlin is playing. Look at the way that Kristoff is yeah. playing in the back. Arroyo's yeah. playing Daniel behind Alves. him. Is Alves. Now we're going to be talking about David Ruiz. It goes on and on and on, but it starts and finishes it with Messi. Messi makes these players better, and he does something to the opposition. He intimidates the opposition. We cannot stress enough. I cannot stress enough how mind-boggling it was to see a Philly Union team give Messi this much respect and his teammates this much respect. It's the worst game that I've seen from the Philly Union. And it starts and ends with Messi. Um, we spoke and gave Robert Taylor a lot of credit for his run, his assist to Jordi Alba. There's a moment in that sequence in which he had a chance to pass the ball to Messi. But then two Philadelphia Union players are actually drawn to Lionel Messi to prevent Robert Taylor from gi giving him the ball. What does he do? He opens spaces for other players. That's also part of the impact. So even if he doesn't have 100 touches, 80 passes, two goals, one assist, Messi, make no mistake about it, he's still making an impact on every single night for Inter Miami. Can I just add really quick? We, we talk about Messi, and rightfully so. He's, he's the main attraction. He's the draw. Um, but Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba, uh, just as important on the field, 
forget about the image of Messi, but on the field, um, in, in this decoy, Messi-esque kind of scheme, if you will. And what I mean by that is Messi's on the field. You're like, well, he didn't hurt me, but you always have to be wary of Messi. You always have to be, well, he's right there, so I, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I didn't do that. There was a moment today, the first half, where Gazdag, mm-hmm. he's not even worried about anybody else besides Busquets. He's trying to shadow and eliminate the lanes that Busquets can operate in and, and, and pass through. You could tell it was by design. By, well, it was a terrible design. Now, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sitting here and, and, and going to tell Jim Curran how to coach because he's, he's a very well and capable enough coach. But they worried more about the opponent than themselves. And when you do that, you lose. You're already losing 1-0. You said about Jim Curtin, the design, the impact that he could have had on his team. This is one of the best teams in Major League Soccer in the past three years. They, they barely were, they almost were. By one minute, they had the trophy in their hands last season to become MLS champs. Uh, but it's, it's a recurrent thing with Jim Curtin. Now with uh, Philadelphia Union, before this game, six semifinal games, only one win. But when you go back to what happens when you face Lionel Messi... And this is another thing that I wanted to touch and ask you about. Because, and we even have Jim Curtin after the game talking about his players and maybe being a little nervous, excited to face the best player in history. This is what Jim Curtin had to say after the game. Yeah, look, that's always going to be the question when you concede in the third minute, right? Um, so we had a technical mistake there where, you know, We actually are in a good position to clear the ball. We miss hit it, and uh, credit to them, they punish us. Um, I think there is a little bit of uh, maybe we were too excited, uh, maybe showed a little too much respect. Um, but, yeah, we got punished by a good team, and we got humbled a bit, you know. Um, overall, uh, we know we need to be better. I think we're usually a good team in the sense that um, we really make teams earn their goals. Uh, and I thought tonight, you know, even just looking at the – expected goals which i know don't always tell the, the truth but you know we did create a lot and and we got punished uh, uh conceded four goals on like a 0.6 <laughs> expected goal so um gave up goals that we shouldn't have um got punished for it got humbled uh but that's a very good miami team uh no question about it they have a ton of talent um but we're just overall you know disappointed all right that's jim Curtin after the game How does that impact other players when you're not used to facing the names, the likes of Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, listen, and obviously, especially Lionel Messi? Listen, it, it shouldn't your professional, right? But let, let's be honest. You look at some of the players on that roster, and they've never been in this situation with a player of this magnitude, with the attention like it is. I mean, even an MLS Cup, you could say massive attention, sure, in our small pond, on this side mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. the world. Now you've got all eyes on you, and everybody wants to see what Messi's going to do because he's one step closer to the final. It's Messi, uh, riding off into the sunset. Can he do it? Can he conquer America type of deal? It's just a lot of attention, so I could see the nerves may get into him. Now, I, I want to address something. I want to address Sebi Salazar, okay? Uh, Sebi Salazar, the ghost of Sebi Salazar's past right here, because I can already see you killing Jim Curtin in that <laughs> previous comment. Not killing him. Um, Stating facts. Se Sebi Salazar tweeted that uh, I didn't think that Messi could do it in Chester, Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, Sebi. It's not that I didn't think Messi could do it or not do it in Chester, Pennsylvania. I never doubted Messi. I doubted those around Messi. I doubted Inter Miami. I said, sure, they will score four goals on you. Absolutely. I can see that. 
But if FC Dallas did that to you, what is a team with Gazdag, with, with Julio Carranza, and we didn't know how much he was going to play, a, a, a team that's defensively structured, yeah, well coached, what goal are they going to do? With the best goalkeeper, one of the best goalkeepers in Coca, three-time uh, you know, MLS goalkeeper of the year. I don't trust Inter-Miami. They've gotten better every single game. Even the game where they were down four goals against FC Dallas, they showed me something. And it's not that I didn't trust Messi. I didn't trust his teammates now. I mean, I trust Messi, and I'm starting to trust his teammates a hell of a lot more. <laughs> it's six games. It's nine goals. He scored in every single game he's played. And as we have stated before, he's made his team better. But Herc, on the other hand, is Messi exposing the region? I'm not just going to go Major League Soccer. I'm going to include Liga MX on this as well. Is Lionel Messi exposing, making this region look really bad? Because it's been very easy for him. No preseason, um, almost no training sessions, and yeah. he's killing it. Yeah, I, I thought he would do well. Um, not this well. Wayne Rooney didn't think he would do that well. He yeah. said he would suffer here. That's not been the case. There are some brainiacs out there that would say, well, he said Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer play has not started. Okay. Um, this is what I will, will say. He's been destroying and making regions look bad for quite some time, 17 years. Every season he makes a region look bad because he's the best player to ever play the game. But certainly, even at this age, 36 years of age, when you put him into the CONCACAF region against some of these teams that don't have the money, not right now, okay? In Major League Soccer and in Liga Mekis, he will exploit and expose the deficiencies of this region. Because it's Leo Messi. He's the singular player on earth right now that can claim to be the greatest player of all time. And I think a large majority, a large portion of the world who watches this game would agree with that. It's messy. But it is also the region he's making look bad. Yeah. Okay. It's I, Liga Mekis defenders. It's MLS defenders. It's it's players who have never been in the spotlight. It, it's, it's, it's a league that's top heavy, of course. And the worst part is, I didn't need to tell you this. You understand, you know the league. The platform that transmits these games is available in a hundred different countries. A hundred different countries. That means if those hundred different countries want to turn on this game to see Messi, all they're going to see is Messi destroying these defenders. And where do these defenders play? CONCACAF, Major League Soccer. So they're going to have what type of response or idea of the level? That's what it's going to be. There was already a stigma, right? On Major League Soccer... Goalkeep quality on Major League Soccer defensive abilities. There was already a stigma. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take it up a notch. This is how big his impact has been. Lionel Messi got Tuca Ferretti fired. Tuca Ferretti has been in the coaching business for 35 years and he had never been fired from any single club that he managed. And I know that was not his final game. But we knew this leading up to League's Cup or Cruz Azul Insiders, colleagues at ESPN said, if Cruz Azul, if they lose against Inter Miami and Messi, the board is probably going to fire Tuca Ferretti. And it happened. And it was just maybe one case. But this is what happened also tonight against Philadelphia. You know, he makes managers second-guess themselves. He makes players second-guess themselves. And, and I don't want to go over what the Messi talk is. It's just it's, it's too obvious, right? But... You hear these things, you read these things, like 
Messi's playing in a farmer's league. Messi's making these players look like amateurs. Oh, my goodness, these guys are bums. And you want to feel insulted for these guys, but Messi's made a lot of good players look that way. Messi's made a lot of great leagues look that way. He's made players in all types of great competitions. It didn't really happen in Paris, though. What do you mean it didn't happen? Last year, one of the only players in the world, in Europe, top five leagues to score, double-digit goals, double-digit assists, 20 and 20 plus, okay? It's, 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 it's a singular player in this game's history. And I understand the people who want to put Messi down that he struggled in PSG or whatever you want to do. Shut up. Shut up. Understand well, the game a little bit. Under, understand he the, did struggle. It's PSG, a top-heavy team that wasn't armed the right way. It, it's, it's Messi not wanting to be there. Well, Inter Miami build the right way? No. It is, it is getting there now, hold on, but hold it on. was but you're before. you're not competing in Champions League. You're competing for a position in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Okay? That's a reality. Now, Messi is in Miami, not because of Major League Soccer, not because he wants to play in CONCACAF, but because it's Miami. Yeah. Okay? Judge Messi oh, yeah. on what we'll he's doing that. right now at this level, and he's making players look silly. And I say that in the most respectful way possible. And uh, he's very, very... I never saw Messi this happy at PSG. Never. He's committed. He's truly committed. Yes, he wanted to live in Miami. He wanted to experience the Miami lifestyle. And he wanted his family and his children to learn English in the U.S. Yes, he wanted all of that. He could have done that and then just manage the games. Manage his effort. The guy is committed. The guy is making yeah. runs. The guy is making tackles. Listen. So, there's... There's no second-guessing Messi. We can second-guess a lot of people, not Messi. Say what you want about Messi and his adventure in Major League Soccer, but I've, I've seen this many times in, in MLS and in Liga Mekis. You have great players, elite, world-class players come over to a league, and they struggle. We saw it with Steven Gerrard. We saw it with uh, Frank Lampard in his first season. Pirlo. Andrea Pirlo. Uh, we've seen all types of players come in and struggle. Ronaldinho... I mean, he got Querétaro to a final, but the, the prime moments were few and far between, if you really think about it. It's not like they just came in and dominated. Messi has come in and dominated. He's been as good as advertised. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, uh, now Inter Miami was waiting for their rivals at the final. And it was a very, very good game. Monterrey, another long travel for Rayados. Now they had to go and face Nashville. And it was a very, very competitive game. In the end, Nashville advancing 
to League's Cup Finals. And at the same time as well, just like Inter Miami, securing a spot at the next Champions, uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup. Now, let's go and talk about that game. Because we all knew Rayados. We understand Rayados is probably the best roster in the region and one of the best rosters in the continent. What happened in this game that made Nashville a lot, a lot of controversy as well with decisions, VAR involved, but it had to be again Sturridge, just Sam Sturridge, just like he did against Club America with a goal that opened the score. In the end, it's 2-0 and it's Nashville advancing to the final. In the Americas. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Um, this is one of the richest roster uh, rosters in the Americas. North America, South America, I agree 100% with you. It, it's in that conversation. Now, uh, Berterram is not here. Uh, Aguirre is not here. Two very big players from Monterrey. Uh, that said, they have more than enough talent to win this competition. No uh, and, and what Nashville did to that star-studded team was what I thought Philly, Philly would do to enter Miami. Defensively just good, took their chances fast in transition. They ran the Monterrey midfield ragged. Uh, Luis Romo, Omar Govea, uh, up top with Maxi Mesa, uh, Sergio Canales. They were nowhere to be found for long stretches of this game because the transition was too fast. The game was too fast for this team. And then there were some very questionable, very questionable VAR moments. We have, we have video. We have video I mean, there. We I have mean, video I mean, there. We can go <laughs> check it out because there are two moments. For those who love uh, conspiracy theories, this is Hani Mukhtar, MVP mode. But it is a great goal, bend it like Mukhtar. But the referee had to go and check on VAR for a possible offside. Yeah, Alex Mule, they're trying to say, is in an offside position, maybe in the uh, vision, if you will, of Andrada, the goalkeeper. But you can see he's nowhere near the site. He's not affecting him. Nothing's happening yeah, well, there. The ball That's is a way he's never getting there. This is one of the nowhere worst near. calls that I've seen. And what makes it worse is there is VAR. Who is picking the people who are capacitated in this VAR? League's Cup has been a joke with the refereeing for both sides. And right here, right here, not again. <laughs> again, this is uh, Medina, comes across him, clear contact, should be there a penalty kick in favor of Monterrey in the second half. It does not get called. Again, there is VAR, he sees it, and nothing happens. It's, it's ridiculous. The only exp explanation that I can find for the referee not to concede the penalty is he was compensating for his previous call. He said, no, I already, this happens. That's not you've how talked, it works. You've talked to that's, referees. No, who, they have done this. That's well, not how it if, works. If it, I know that's not how it works. I'm not saying that's the right way to go. That's actually, I mean, two wrongs do not going to make one right. But that's the only explanation that I have. Because if this is a professional referee and he cannot see the Nashville player making contact with the Rayados player, then this guy has to find another job. Yeah. He, he's not qualified to be a professional so, referee if the whole world is seeing this but him. Okay, so in the first goal, the, in the first play, excuse me, the VAR play, Hani Mukhtar scores the goal. I criticized VAR because how could you even think yeah. that's a play? Do not call the referee to come and check. Do not call the referee to come check. And this one, I don't criticize VAR. I criticize the referee because they bring him over to come check it. And then he decides himself, no. I'm going to go ahead and stay with the call that I had. There's no contact when there is clearly contact. There was clear contact, but then Nashville uh, really playing to their strengths. And I thought that was something that maybe Rayados, they were not ready for. We haven't heard yet 
from Tan Ortiz, yeah. maybe from Tato Noriega, but I'm, I'm pretty sure what they're going to say. It looks like they ran out of gas. Team was tired. It, it really... All the travel. I know, I know you presented a graphic here on Football Americas when you spoke to Tato Noriega, uh, and he has a point. Yes, their travel has been insane. He is right. But they knew these things were going to oh, happen. I'm not excusing them uh, off the field of complaining. You shouldn't, they shouldn't complain if they agreed to these terms. But he does have a point in, in the team. I mean, when you see three-digit numbers on the back of a jersey, those are the homegrown academy players who normally wouldn't play coming onto the field. They had a couple come onto the field. They had about four uh, on their roster on the bench. Uh, their best player, Germán Berterrame, uh, was injured in Portland on that turf, broke his ankle. He's out for the season. Aguirre, one of their better offensive players, hasn't been able to participate much in this tournament. Sergio Canales is, you know, their big European signing, the, the Spaniard. He's barely coming yeah. into fitness level. So I feel for them, and you can see it in their game. They ran out of steam. And to a team that just prides itself physically. Like Nashville will run you into the ground. They will defend like demons. They were not ready like for that. Like animals in transition. They can hurt you. Shuffleboard, by the way, came out in the first 15 minutes injured. That's a guy that I thought was going to do some major damage against the team. Fafa Pico comes on, does a great job. Uh, but Nashville playing the way that Nashville does and at home against a team that looked severely depleted, especially in that midfield. Okay, we want to preview Inter-Miami, well Nashville in just a second. Now... Let's talk about Liga MX overall. Was this a massive failure for Liga MX not even having one club reaching the final? Yes, massive failure. Now, I would also say failure for League's Cup because the way this is designed, 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 okay? Yeah. The way this is designed here is for a... You mean it in the right way, yeah. No, 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 it's designed. It's for MLS to yeah. face Liga MX in the sure. final the same way that Just the like Gold Cup is designed. Yeah. For the United States men's national team to meet Mexico in the final. So everybody wins commercially. So everybody wins financially. So everybody wins uh, in the spectacle on the field. Sell out the stadiums, etc., etc. Now, there was two Liga Mekis teams in the final eight. Okay? The best representation of Mexican football. An ultra-rich team like Rayados that is, one of the, that is the pride uh, of Mexico as far as on paper, uh, how rich that roster is that can compete with some of the best teams in the Americas with primetime players, European players. Everybody in that roster could be considered a DP. And then on the other side, Querétaro, the other side of the representation, <laughs> the best fits Liga Mekis. A, a team that, uh, that went 50-plus games without an away win because they were uh, censored and, and, and had to play closed-door home games because of fan violence in their stadium. A club that's, that was owed three months' wages. It's for that sale. Almost, that, almost for sale. that almost didn't play this tournament yeah. because they refused because they're still owed wages. A club that was dismantled because they have one owner for two clubs and their best players, the parts, went to Cholos. A club with nothing to fight for or play for that made it to the final. It was a direct representation. But answering your question, it is a fracaso. It's a fracaso because Liga Mekis... There was never any, there was never any excuses. Yeah. Pretextos for Liga Mekis. It was, in tu casa, en frente de tu gente, in your house, in front of your people. We will beat you. And now it's all of a sudden. Well, we're starting to lose these games. Wait a second. Why are we always on the road? Wait a second. Why? Why is this unfair? When it's the 
officials of the Federation continue continuing to do what they've always done, worry about the bottom dollar and not about the sporting, worrying about uh, their wallets and not about the players, worrying about the economical structure and not about the fan, and this is what they get. And I feel bad for the fan. I really do. I feel bad for these players. I have zero evidence but zero doubts that if things don't change, a lot of Mexican clubs would, would not admit playing under these conditions. Now, let's preview the final. Inter-Miami, clear favorite to win it all. The game will be played on Saturday at Nashville. By the way, special edition of Football Americas right after the League's Cup final. Listen, man, I went against Messi and Inter-Miami against Philly. I thought Philly would do it. I really thought they would, they would get it done, and, and they didn't. I saw a different element of Inter-Miami. At, at times, they didn't even break a sweat. And Messi, I think he was taking the night off at times. He was that, I mean, they yeah. were that good. Uh, yeah, he, 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 got, he got a absolutely. lot of rest. He got his ninth goal. They're running in with, with lots of confidence. Every game, they look better. I mean, that's, again, you know, good defensive outing by Inter-Miami. They seem to be getting stronger, more cohesive, well-coached, uh, and still have players who haven't even played. Facundo Farias, you know, Tomas Avila, the center back. There's still players that we've not even seen. You know, Gomez, Dario Gomez, we've not even seen the best of him. So I think this team can get better. And they've got a player that's just so special in these big-time moments. I'm not going to bet against them. That said, that said, Nashville, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Nashville win this game because they are made for this tournament setting. They're made to defend like animals. They're made to transition. They're made off of set pieces. Walker Zimmerman has had the best League's Cup tournament yeah. of any Walker defender. Walker Zimmerman is Fabio Cannavaro playing League's Cup. Ridiculous. It's amazing. Ridiculous. It's a total 180 of what we saw from yeah. him lately uh, in the U.S. Men's National Jersey. You're trying to cover all bases. I want you to commit. No, I Inter Miami, Inter big favorites. Okay. Yes. Well, I, what was so I hard about that? No, I told you. I find no reason to bet against Inter Miami because if there was going to be one night in which things were not going to go absolutely their way, was going to be tonight Philadelphia Union and they ended up winning 4-1. First League's Cup final between MLS clubs. That's big. It's that's that's not a that's not a small detail. That is a big big detail. The final will be on Saturday and again, we will have a special edition of Football Americas next Saturday recapping everything that's going to happen I'm at Surprise you Cup. if Nashville wins? I I would be surprised if Nashville wins. I wouldn't. Miami's on a roll. Miami's on a roll, and 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 when the stars, are favorites. when the stars align, and I think they will align, win, but it would not surprise me. But were you were you ever a part of the team, right? That probably was not that good. But you started, and 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 you just went on a roll, oh, and there was no. <laughs> my teams were good. Of course, I was part of the Seattle Sounders that won an MLS Cup without shooting go. on goal. There we you were, go. You were the Messi of that uh, Seattle August, Sounders team. August, August in MLS season, we were last place in the league. Siggy Schmidt got fired. Nicolas Lodeiro came in, changed the season, changed the franchise ah, going forward. These so Nicolas Lodeiro Same thing with the LA Galaxy in 05. I know about the momentum. I understand this. And listen, Messi is Messi. But Nashville is just one of those teams that's just a... a Kicking the uh, peanuts to hey, play against. Nashville, Nashville got rid of Club America, a very good Club America. And Nashville also beat Rayados de Monterrey. We already explained 
This is this is just Minnesota not and Minnesota team. who eliminated Minnesota Toluca. as well. So yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not messing with I'm not disrespecting Nashville here. They beat Cincinnati. I'm just saying that when you're on a roll and you have Lionel Messi on your side and everybody else feels like they are Dani Alves, Xavi, Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Samuel Eto'o, things cannot go wrong. And honestly, yes, I I would be very very surprised if Nashville ends up winning the final on Saturday. At home. At home, yeah. Okay. They did it. Where, how, what, was, what was what Sebi said? Who? The, Sebi Salazar? Uh, no, you don't know the guy? You don't know the guy. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's uh, move on to a different topic. Tyler Adams is being linked to Premier League site Bournemouth. The team will reportedly trigger the 20 million pound release clause in Adams' contract after Leeds United were relegated to the championship. Adams was rumored to be joining Chelsea before the Blues completed three transfers for midfielders, including the British record fee for Moises Caicedo. So Eric, is Bournemouth a better fit for Tyler Adams than Chelsea. Absolutely. Yes, I am uh, thrilled that he's not going to Chelsea. I, I feel bad for uh, Tyler Adams and his camp, for the way it went down. No player deserves to go through that. It, it must be a devastating uh, feeling. Um, but there may be a silver lining there. Um, Chelsea's one of these clubs that under American owner uh, Todd Bowley uh, has spent a ludicrous amount of money in the market and has gotten very little for it. And now he finds himself in a team that's another American owner, yep. uh, Bill Foley, uh, with minority owner uh, Michael B. Jordan. And you obviously know the actor. But Bill Foley... My guy, Michael yeah. B. Jordan. Bill you know Foley was friend. a guy who was trying to bring uh, a Major League Soccer team to Las Vegas. And then he did an interview where he said it's about a billion dollars to bring in a Major League Soccer team um, to be part of that with everything that it entails. I can go for a fraction of the price to Premier League and buy a club. And they've been doing some smart business. Now, uh, they just got rid of a manager in Brian Andoni Irola, perdón, um, who's the ex-coach of uh, Vallecano, Rayo yes. Vallecano. Former Liga, Major League Soccer player. With New York City FC, of course, 2015-2016 uh, yeah. season, uh, right back. Now, Tyler Adams, if anything, is relentless in the way he goes about his on-field performance. On and off the field, he's a relentless individual. On the field with the ball, off the ball, trying to hunt it down uh, with his game IQ, et cetera, et cetera. The way, the way that this team will play, if they play anything like they played at Vallecano, which the tactics were uh, 
where these inverted wingers would come in and the fullbacks would overlap them and there's a double pivot and they stay to protect that defensive unit. And then when they're in their mid block, they all press. It's a counter press. It's very energetic, very chaotic in that midfield. It's got, it requires a lot of energy. I think Tyler Adams would be very well suited. And when they defend, it's a 4-4-2 with a double pivot, very organized to protect that back line. Tyler Adams can do that. And when they have to spring out and play direct, they do it and everybody pushes. I think it's, it's tailor-made for a player like Tyler Adams. Now, I, I've been hearing this. Well, the Cherries are going to be in, in, in relegation problems. Uh, they were in 15th place uh, last season. They're going to be fighting relegation. Does anybody realize that literally 11th place, <laughs> Crystal Palace, yeah. and, and, and literally 17th place, Leicester, were separated by six points? Yeah. Six points? It was a race till the end. It was a race till the end. I think it's a very good situation with a team that's very smart in the way they buy and purchase players and could very much fit a player like Tyler Adams into that system. Well, I mean, it all starts with he's going to play. Yes. At Chelsea, he would have played even less minutes than Christian Pulisic had last season. The moment they had Enzo Fernandez, Moises Caicedo, those are the two central midfielders that are going to play for Chelsea because Chelsea spent almost 300 million pounds between those two players. Uh, but yeah, I mean, now the way you explain the tactical element of how Bournemouth will play, I think it fits Tyler Adams uh, perfectly. He knows the league, already been playing there, already knowing what it is to fight for relegation, sadly, his team was relegated last season. But uh, I think he's going to have an important role. Now, in terms of how this impact the U.S. men's national team, because that's always the other question, right? Tyler Adams, a player like that, you need Tyler Adams to have minutes constantly. Constantly. You need him to stay fit, but you need him to stay fit on the field. He's the captain of the U.S. men's national team. It does you no good for him to be in the championship uh, fighting and clawing his way in a different brand of football that you're maybe not going to play. I could see this team playing a bit like the U.S. men's national team will play. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, I agree. So, so I agree. It, it fits for him. I think Tyler Adams is a, is a smart player, but he needs to play. And having the U.S. men's national team captain at the championship, if to stay at Leeds, wouldn't have been something that would have been productive for him or the national team. And as you said, there is now a tradition of American owners in the Premier League. Some fan bases wish those, some of those owners would go on their own way and leave their clubs alone, but that's a different story. But now there's another trend in which superstars, athletes are also interested in being part owners of Premier League clubs. And that is the case for Kilia and J.J. Watt, now part owners of Burnley. They already had their first experience during their first game against Manchester City. Our very own Tom Hamilton sat down with them to talk about how does it feel to be part owner of a Premiership club. You've been uh, had this ownership journey now for a couple of months at least. What's the reaction been like in the US and for people you know there? That's, I know that's your main goal is to put eyes on Burnley. Yes. Have you put eyes on Burnley yet? What's the reaction been? I would say the reaction's better than I expected it to mm -hmm. be. Um, you never really know, you know, I mean, trying to explain to people where Burnley is, what it is, um, but you don't know until you start. And I think the reaction has been incredible from friends and family supporting to uh, our fans supporting to just the general population and wanting to know more, wanting to ask more. I mean, people posting their jerseys and people posting their hats and t-shirts and everybody asking today, how do we watch the match? Where do we, where do we watch? It's, it's going to be a long process to get it where we want it to be, but I would say the start has been better than we could have expected. 
Yeah, for some people in America, some of our friends and family, they don't even know how the Premier League works and the championship. And so it really was an education process of showing them and telling them how it works. And it's been incredible to see how excited they are, how many will be watching the game tonight. And like JJ said, they want gear, they want the hats. So it, it's been an incredible response. And when they ask, like, what's Burnley like? What do you say? What do you tell them? We tell them the truth. We tell them it's a very small, hardworking town. It's an old mill town. Um, they've been through some tough times. They've, they've had their adversity, but it's made them stronger, and they're a very tight-knit community. Uh, and most importantly of all, they love their club. They live and die with their club every single week. Um, I'm from Wisconsin, so the Green Bay Packers have a fan base that lives and die with the Green Bay Packers every week. So I kind of explain it to people like that. Like it's a, and the Green Bay is a very small town. So I just say it's a place you would love, and uh, hopefully you can make it there someday. Yeah, and one thing we were really struck by when we came here was how beautiful the town is. We, we love just walking around and seeing how pretty it is, and we always explain to people, you just see Burnley kits everywhere. And, and like JJ said, that's common in Green Bay, but not all American sports cities are like that, and so that's something we love about here. One big thing I've heard you both talk about is gaining the trust of these fans, and any football fans, but it's Burnley, it's Burnley fans, and it's tribalism. How do you think you've done that so far? And if you have done that so far, and how are you going to do it? Yeah, I think it's a long journey. I don't think it's something that happens overnight. I think you do it by showing that you are truly trying to understand, respect, and honor their history and their tradition. This club's been around for over 140 years. Um, that's a ton of history and a ton of memories, high and low, that these people have been through. We're just coming in on that. We're not going to pretend like we were here for the entire process. But what we can do is show that we do care, show that we do want to learn about it, and show that when we are speaking about Burnley to the rest of the world, we're speaking what they would want the world to know, not what we think they would want the world to know. Yeah, one thing JJ said a lot is, just talking to the fans and asking them and, and learning from them um, and trying to gain their trust that way. Whenever we've been at the pubs or in, in town, we, we just like to talk to fans and, and hear their experience, and I think that's the best way to learn. What is the, if there's one question that Burnley fans, I know you've met a lot now, what's the one thing they ask you most? I, I know my answer, do you know your my Mine, I think, is like, why Burnley? Like, why did you do this? How did you even find Burnley? I think that's the biggest Mine one. is similar, but they always ask, how are you finding Burnley? They really want, yeah. they're really proud of their town, and they really yes. want us to be enjoying our time here, which to me was surprising, because I, I always assumed that they would be very hesitant to welcome us. But the way that they just want us to feel welcome here, and the way that they just want us to make sure we're enjoying our time here, that, that surprised me. I think it speaks to the type of people that live here. You're both in these sort of phases in your life now where things are changing and you've you become parents, I know you're doing the CBS analyst mm -hmm. thing. Where does Burnley fit in with all that, like day to day, like if I was, if I was <laughs> like a little spy around your house? Yeah. Like, are you checking emails for two hours in the morning with Burnley stuff? Like, what, what does that look like? She is working very hard. I think the hats, and you work very hard on the hats, and, and he really wants to be as involved as possible from America. I mean, it's hard that we're not here all the time, but um, yeah, you're there's very not involved. A, there's not a single day in the household that Burnley's not spoken about, emailed about, calls about, um, whether it's working on the hats or it's working with Alan on something or it's a Zoom call with Vince and the staff. There's all sorts of different things going on. Um, 
she probably thinks I'm a little over involved and some of the people at the club probably think I'm a little over involved <laughs> but uh, no. that's what we when we signed on when we were talking to Alan in the very beginning I said how involved can we be and he said as involved as you possibly want to be um, and it's been incredible well, um, one of the things I was interested in is that when you spoke to Vince company, yeah. that you were talking about your sort of careers as athletes and this very different knowledge base that you both have. Yeah. And I, I know you're a soccer player, Keely, yes. so it yes. there's not that quite a difference, yes. I guess. But for you, JJ, what could the Premier League learn from the NFL, do you think? That's a great it, question. I mean, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think there's there's certainly things on both sides that we can learn from each other. I think that the Premier League does an incredible job of preserving their history and past and the tribalism and the, the fan bases, the supporter bases. I think that that and also the, the game day atmosphere, you know, it's it's different. There's not the the cheerleaders, there's not the you know, the huge video screens playing commercials between every kick of the ball. Um, they really have preserved the the game and the history of it. I think we can learn that over there. I think over here, um, it, it's it's hard because I would say you could almost go a little bit of the opposite. Like you could find ways to work some of that in as well, but you don't want to you don't want to do anything to take away from the integrity of the game. So you don't work a lot of that in. Um, the thing that Vince and I talk about the most is actual tactics. Like we we talk about you know different types of defenses and how offenses attack things or how meetings are done or how nutrition and uh, I think that that's one thing that we do really well over there is, is the recovery, the nutrition, all of that but we also learn a ton from Europe so they're, they're both the best leagues in the world for a reason. And I've, I've watched everything you've done before and you always talk about putting eyes on Burnley, you want to put eyes on Burnley yeah. and I love that but I wonder like what does success look like for you, like is there anything in mind where you want that to happen, you want this many eyes, or like the feeling of when you go to America and talk about that. What is What does success mean for you in this sort of it's venture? A really, it's a really good question. Yeah. We do talk about that a lot. Like at the end of this, what do we want to happen? How can you measure? Um, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think there's a quantitative measure, and I also think that no matter what anybody does off the pitch, and Vince speaks about this all the time, at the end of the day, Premier League football or European football in general, is about what happens on the pitch. So we can do everything that we possibly can, Alan can do everything he possibly can, but at the end of the day, if you don't have success on the pitch, it's not gonna matter. So for us, I think we wanna see success on the pitch and however we can help that, but then when we do have that, it's amplifying that, and it's being able to walk around anywhere in America or anywhere in the world with a Burnley cap on or a Burnley shirt on, and people say, oh, up to Clarence. That's what I want. I want people to recognize it without us having to explain it. And you're not the first athletes to invest in, uh, or American celebrities at least, in many things, um, to invest in British uh, football clubs. Tom Brady was the latest one, someone I imagine you know well. Um, you're sort of putting eyes on Burnley. His plan is to put eyes on Birmingham. Right. Does that make it harder for you to do? But, Opposite. I think, it, I think it helps um, because it's A, it's competition. We're, we're competitive at the end of the day, uh, so it's going to make us both want to do more. Um, but B, I think overall the American fan base has a massive appetite for football right now. Uh, obviously Ryan Reynolds and Rob and Wrexham, obviously Ted Lasso, you see what Tom's doing with Birmingham City. America is craving football content um, but they really there's a large group of people that still don't have a great knowledge base um, so they're still trying to find their squad they're still trying to find who they're supposed to support I think it helps us a lot that the more eyeballs come over we just direct those eyeballs up to <laughs> Lancashire um, when Tom did that did he speak to you at all as someone who had just done it 
or was it his own thing? Um, it's his own thing. I mean, I've, we've known about it for a while. Um, we've known we've known what's been going on, but um, we've spoken about it now, and I'm excited for him. I'm happy for him. I think it's going to be a great challenge. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy they're in a different league, so I can actually root for him a little bit and want him to come join us. But uh, if they ever make it up and we're in the same league, it'll be a lot of fun. If you're in the same league, take that rivalry off the pitch as well as you used to have on it. Yes, I would. Uh, he's, he's had a whole lot of success in his career <laughs> on a different kind of pitch. Um, but in this one, I like our odds. Ah, so he knew and didn't tell us before. Yes, Brainy announced last week that he acquired a minority stake in the championship club Birmingham. Here's Brady attending the local pub to share a pint with the fans. He also was there for the team's home opener, a dramatic stoppage time win over Leeds United. Tom Brady, very well dressed by the way, cheering for his now squad, Birmingham winning it in the last minute of the game. Here's Tom Brady after the game about the first win of, of the season. Tom, if I come to you next, your first experience here among what are you now your fellow Blue Noses, what did you make of it? Sure, it was amazing. Obviously, winning the game is most important, but seeing the support of the fans and uh, the stadium was pretty electric. Uh, I've been at a lot of stadiums in my life, and it was a very, very special day. I know you spoke to the players pre-game. What did you say? Because it clearly had an effect. That was all on the players, so, you know, there's not, you know, you can't go in there for a a five-minute meeting and, and give too much inspiration, but I think the players showed uh, a lot of resiliency today. Um, I think it's a tough group of guys, uh, very, skill, uh, very skilled, very talented, and you know, hopefully they can keep it going. We're going to stay in the championship here to run it back. Here's Josh Sargent starting the season the right way with Norwich goal and an assist in the first half of the 4-4 thriller at Southampton. This man is ridiculous, especially in this game. 90 minutes, one goal, one assist, three chances created. Uh, like, uh, the guy was everywhere. Eight duels won, four recoveries. He was doing everything, a goal and an assist. And still making his name available in the conversation for the number nine position of the U.S. men's national team. That is the assist. Eh, give it to somebody who knows. It counts as an assist, don't matter. Look at that. You play fantasy, that's an assist. And I play, <laughs> and I play championship fantasy. All right, moving on. Haji Ride, after a successful stint in the Turkish Super League. Here he is, first goal for Coventry City. Last week, he comes off the bench, hits the post. This week, he scores his goal. Listen, he scored 31 goals in 64 games for Antalya Yanaspor in Turkey. Nice. Now he's got one goal in two games, both off the bench. Can you say that Coventry name again? City. Antalyanaspor. Good man. Good man. I love the, those unis, by the way. Those kits are just beautiful. Beautiful. They are nice. Moving on, Ricardo Pepe. After his $11 million move to PSB, scoring from the spot. And the Philips Sportverein advancing in the Champions League qualifying round. El Paso, Ricky. Choo choo. Everybody's talking about Flo Balogun. I get it. Everybody wants to talk about Flo. Wants to talk about Balogun. But he doesn't have a team and he's not playing right now. Guess who's still scoring goals? Ricardo Pepe. Yes, sir. By the way, no Mexican players at PSV for the first time in 11 I just told you, Ricardo years. Pepe. Yeah, he doesn't represent the Mexican national team. But you know who could? Rodolfo Pizarro. There he is. 89th minute. He's going to get the ball right here. And here is the assist for the 
AEK Athens victory also in Champions League qualifying round. Listen, you guys already know I think Rodolfo Pizarro is a very talented player. I'm not taking away anything from him or Rubilin Pineda. But at some point, we have to have a real discussion about the level of the Greek League. That's fine. He's playing. He's playing well. The Bundesliga kicks off this weekend on ABC. Coverage beginning at noon Eastern time. It is Borussia Dortmund hosting FC Köln. Somehow Borussia Dortmund dropped the league in the final game of last season. They have another shot this year. Borussia Dortmund hosting Köln on ABC noon Eastern time. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Women's World Cup semifinals, a frenetic end to a really competitive game. Three goals in the final 10 minutes and Herc, Spain advancing to the first Women's World Cup final, beating Sweden 2-1. to one. Sweden 2-1. to one. Yeah, a contrast of styles. I mean, Spain with their death at a thousand, you know, paper cuts, uh, their tiki-taka, beautiful passing, and Sweden just very grind you down, very direct work offset pieces, but Spain Deserved winners in the end. Olga Carmona scoring in the 89th minute. Only one minute after Sweden had leveled the score. And Spain, it's not only winning, it's also about a way to win. And that is her keeping Tiki Taka alive. That's what they do. You have to really admire the way the Federation wants to keep intact that style of play. The way that only the Spanish can play that Tiki Taka. The... <laughs> Interchanging of positions, the possession-based game, the opening them up, if you will, it's very pleasing to the eye. But sometimes it doesn't lead to wins. This time, it does. And the year started with a lot of problems for manager Jorge Vida. Over 15 players signing a petition to have the Federation removing him from the spot. Many of those players are not playing the World Cup, and yet they reach the final. Here it is. Jorge Vida on the win and what it means after what the team went through. Bueno, pues otra vez eh, valorar muchísimo y algo que mm, estará para toda la vida el, el apoyo del presidente Luis Rubiales, de toda la federación, de toda la gente que ha estado conmigo. Eh, mi familia en primer lugar, que también pues ha sufrido este año. Y pues bueno, pues todo el staff, eh, como, como hemos tirado para adelante momentos duros. Y bueno, pues eh, al final eh, es aprendizaje. Al final 
yo creo que nos ha hecho más fuertes a todos y, y bueno, pues eh, dejarlo archivado en el pasado, pensar en el futuro y pensar que, que donde estamos es por merecimiento. We will find out who will face Spain for the title in a few hours. Host nation Australia will play European champs England. England had the second shortest odds to win it all at the start of the tournament. Australia already with their best performance at either men's or women's World Cup. It's going to be a great, great game just in a few hours. Our very own Alexis Nunes on side with more. Well, we're just one more sleep away from seeing Australia's Matildas go where no Matildas team has gone before. The semifinals of a Women's World Cup. And it's no secret that they will be the crowd favorites when they play here at Stadium Australia in Sydney. But on the pitch, they will be up against it as they go up against England's Lionesses, the European champions, in what is going to be the more mouth-watering of the two semifinal clashes. And look, the stakes are high for the Matildas, but also for England's Lionesses, because after what's been a successful two years under Serena Vigman, They're hoping to become the first team of the Lionesses to make it to a World Cup final. I don't think they're the underdog. They play at home. Uh, the stadium will be really full. Uh, so I think that's, um, there's two teams that are very good, are very strong and have grown into the tournament. So I think it's going to be very um, tight and it's going to be very, very competitive. The legacy that we wanted to leave uh, throughout this World Cup um, to inspire the generation coming through, I think um, we've done more than that. I think we've done more than what we thought that we would accomplish. Um, obviously, we're not done yet, but um, just, again, to see the reaction um, that we've received from the whole country has been absolutely unreal, and I think this is only the beginning, um, and I think there's much more to come. We actually don't look at it as pressure. We look at it as a privilege that so many people believe in this team um, and we feel the support we feel we're filled with energy every time we you know whether it's arriving at the hotel coming to an airport going to a stadium or, or when we play doing games um, it's amazing to see how many people support and believe in this team and in that sense we look at more as as fuel and energy than pressure that that you know we don't we look at it heavy we look at it as we get carried from underneath and built up and, and feel the belief in us Well, with both sides trying to make history on the night, it's no secret that we're in for a big clash, especially when you consider that Australia and England are massive rivals in pretty much any sport they play. But according to the Matildas, they're not taking that into account. For them, this is just another game. In Sydney, Alexis Nunes, ESPN. Thank you, Alexis. What a match. The Matildas facing the Lionesses. They meet for the first time at a FIFA Women's World Cup. Australia is the second team to reach the semifinal as a host nation. The U.S. did back in 1999 and again in 03. This is the third straight semis for England, but they have not yet Herc, reached the final. Listen, uh, Australia is, everyone's talking about what they can do at home with players like Sam Kerr, how much they will play. She played 60 minutes last game in a 120-minute game. Uh, but you got to talk about this def defensive unit. Five games, four shutouts. Only Nigeria has scored on them. Massive rivalry with England with the Parmalent and everything going on there. This is going to be a big one. And remember, full breakdown of both semifinals and the preview of the final the women's soccer special on ESPN2 Wednesday starting at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. And remember, special 
edition of this show, Football Americas, on Saturday after League's Cup final. We will talk about who becoming champion. You want to talk about Busquets? Jordi Alba? <laughs> hey! We might have to talk about then if Kamal, Messi, Kamal if Messi has a night like he Are did tonight. Are we going to talk about Kamal Miller? All right. Inter facing Nashville. Eric, remember to download the podcast. And we'll see you on Saturday. Where's Seth, by the way? Who? Seth. <laughs>